Welcome back. It's been a heck of an off-season. It's the McCovey Croncast season premiere, and it's just going to be me today, Brian Murphy. So wait, 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 before you turn it off, we have a great guest coming up. Michael Clare from MLB Cut 4 will be joining us very soon to talk all about Andrew McCutcheon, the clearly the most exciting move the Giants made this offseason. And I will also be answering your Twitter questions, which I got quite a few of them. And uh, I will be joined by either Sammy or Doug and or Sammy or Doug. That's what I should have said uh, next week. But for now, it's just me. So let's get into the intro. Welcome to the McCovey Croncast, the greatest San Francisco Giants baseball podcast of all time. And now here are your hosts, McCoveyChronicles.com site contributors Brian Murphy, Doug Bruzzoni, and Sammy Higgins. That's the biggest thing about 2018 is that it's not 2017. That's the thing I'm most excited about. And I know a lot of change happened during the offseason, and it probably would have been helpful for a podcast to be on where you could hear more discussion about it. But I also think there was quite a bit of scrutiny and excellent coverage across the board nationally, locally, uh, and of course on McCoveyChronicles.com. Fabulous content every day. But even on the site, there was a big change, big announcement that Grant is going to be stepping back uh, from the day-to-day operation of the site and will be focusing largely on the national reporting for MLB uh, on SB Nation. And so that leaves, at least for now, a power vacuum uh, on the site, which means, hey, it's a free-for-all for all all of us as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. Uh, uh, Lame jokes aside, you know, Obviously, we'd like to have Grant on at some point just to talk to him. But, you know, there there's no podcast without Grant Brisby. There's no McCovey Chronicles without Grant Brisby. And, you know, let's just, let's just go to the logical conclusion. There is no – there are no World Series championships in the last decade without Grant Brisby. It's, it's all because of changing the narrative of the culture. The Giants became a bunch of old fogies, stodgy, set in their way – calcified institution of rot and old baseball men and it was grant alone whose ability to find the humor in the in the mounting garbage of the post bond years uh bonds years that really helped uh give people sort of that that salve or that ah that bit of relaxation and comfort i'm putting it all on his shoulders it wouldn't have happened without him all of his all of all of our collective uh, minor league scouting and draft scouting, we were all dead on 100 percent of the time. Um, in all serious no, seriousness, though, if Doug and Sammy were here, we'd be talking about just about how great Grant is. But we've done that many times before. Uh, uh, maybe we'll get into that with uh, our guests later on. I'm not sure, but I, I, you know, everyone knows that I would not be. Uh, anywhere without Grant giving me, you know, uh, saying, hey, why don't you write for the site or I enjoy your work and, and giving me the opportunity to give me the break. Um, and so I'm very appreciative of that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how else to thank him other than continuing to make this podcast, which, as we all know, is fantastic and has never had any audio issues or any controversial comments or anything like that. Uh, but really... You know, I'm not going anywhere in terms of talking about the Giants and making really, um, you know, out of left field statements about the Giants. And uh, I'll try to rein in com- comments I might make about individual players that that necessarily they might have been earned last year, perhaps, but it probably wasn't the best 
look for me to uh, call out individual players and uh, cast aspersions on their character, regardless of what the actual evidence, public evidence, uh, would indicate. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be kind of a fun podcast where we're putting on our amateur hats to try to figure things out and process what we're seeing as fans and also slightly informed uh, analysts to some degree. Um, it, it's just not its not worth it. Now, maybe if certain players move on or retire or become more outspoken in their behavior or keep attacking Bryce Harper, maybe, maybe something will keep, something will come up again. But for now, I can at least say uh, for 2018 that that's not my goal. That's not what I'm going to try to do. Um, and I'll get into this more next week. Um, with the others, um, whoever else comes on, that uh, I actually had a lot of philosophical ch- thoughts, changes about baseball during the offseason because of a lot of the stuff that was going on that had nothing to do with the Giants, but at the same time, you could say have something to do with the Giants. Now to focus back on the Giants because of what I was just saying. Yeah, the Giants made a lot of moves this year in 10 intending to stay under the luxury tax threshold, the competitive balance tax and that's uh, they don't want to go over $197 million in payroll. Uh, so they got creative and made trades and you know all the moves. Um, I would say that, that that's sad. It's unfortunate that that's now the way that baseball uh, is has gone. That's the way it is. Um, maybe next season is different when the free agent market is supposed to look different. And maybe things would have been a little bit different this year had the Giants not already had so much money committed to a few players. And that will be the case for them for at least a few more years. I I guess what I'm getting at is it's just not as fun to think about baseball in these terms. At least for me, it isn't. I know for a lot of people, it's fantastic. It's another layer of calculation and another layer of consideration. And it's another layer. It's you're adding another facet to the hobby. I got it. Um, I, I just think at the same time, making these really minor fringe moves or making these money balance moves just to fit some weird puzzle piece in seems like it automatically steps on the idea that you're making moves strictly to make the team better. You have to take in this other cost consideration factor, which, yeah, obviously every team had to do that at some point. You can only spend so much money because you only have so much money and you want to spread the money around to the talent, etc. But it was also, you know... Very interesting to watch the Giants work that uh, that way. With regard to their big moves, they got Andrew McCutcheon because they were able to get uh, Pittsburgh to pay a little bit of that salary. They sent some of their international uh, prospect money towards the Pirates. Um, you know, Evan Longoria fits into the to the pay structure that they have. They had to move Matt Moore just to you know free up the extra money. Uh, Matt Moore was not making a lot of money to begin with, but you know all these little minor moves, I all these little moves or little parts of bigger moves um, are fascinating in a vacuum. I think collectively we know what they're coming from. We do also know that the Giants would have been all for blowing the tax threshold, going way over if they were going to get Giancarlo Stanton, and so on that level, acknowledging that this is the reality of baseball, I think. You know, me personally, but also all of you listening out there, we have to give the Giants an A for effort for this offseason, no matter how it works out. And we can, I'll talk about that more with Doug and Sammy later on, uh, you know, in the next few weeks about what we think is going to happen, how things are breaking. 
<clears throat> for 2018. But I I think you know the Giants could have just tanked it and gone all young or figured out a way to rebuild. They could have. I feel like this has all been said before. Or they could have done what they did, which is essentially double down on on over on their model, which is over 30 players, people who up to a couple of years ago were contributing at an all-star elite level, thinking that they're going to get somewhere in between where they were last year and, and that elite level. And that combined with all the other giants, either dead cap bouncing or performing close to their career norms as well. The giants are going to somehow pull it all together. Uh, you know, I, I have been uh, not away from baseball, but really distracted by a lot of real world concerns and, having to focus on my, you know, like most of us, focus on a day job. So looking back at what the Giants are doing, just from like this really extreme bird's eye view, uh, you know, I think mis- mistaking motion with activity, I think that's the saying, uh, is something that sometimes you can throw at teams. Uh, the Giants made a lot of moves just to look like they were doing something. But they also did things with a lot of intention, uh to address very specific needs. Um, did they get the best players for what they were trying to do? Maybe not, but did they get players that kind of worked in two other ways of potentially being good uh, for the clubhouse culture and good for the fan base in terms of generating excitement um, while also addressing needs to some degree? And I would say they did for in large measure. Um, even Even Tony Watson, like just addressing... The pitching uh, all the way around, uh, you know, and hoping for Jeff Samarja to have a solid year again and for Johnny Cueto to do better than he did last year. These are not ridiculous, outlandish things. Uh, so could they have done more on the rotation front? Sure. Um, but what they have done, what they are banking on, these are not all insane things. Um, having said all that, <laughs> I think if you've been listening to this podcast steadily, you know that I've been actually either pleasantly surprised or strongly in support of every move Bobby Evans has made. So I don't know that that's a ringing endorsement uh, for what happened this offseason because my being for the moves in the past have typically meant the Giants are lighting themselves on fire and we're just going to have to watch the painful end to the body. Uh, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh We will uh, get to your Twitter questions in a moment. But first, I want to take a moment to introduce our new sponsor. Now, if you give me a minute, I've never actually read a promo on here, but here we go. Can't wait for baseball season to start. Are you in the market for a new hobby? Well, you're in luck. Our old friend Grant Brisby has scoured the country for the finest materials to bring to you Grant Brisbeads, the first and only line of beads and bead accessories to bear the likeness of national baseball writer Grant Brisby. Want to make a bracelet for that special someone? What better way to show them you care than by wrapping their wrist in beads bearing the likeness of Grant Brisby? He's amused and informed you with his words. Now let him ensconce and decorate your body with his face. Grant Brisbeads are made with natural earth materials that are guaranteed to never lose their luster or look good on a Dodgers fan. Every month you'll receive a shipment of 150 Brisbeads of various colors and shapes, as well as 5 yards of yarn and 5 yards of bead cord to make anything and everything your heart desires. Sign up for Grant Brisbeads monthly de- delivery service right now using promo code Jeff Sullivan Sweater, and you'll receive 10% off your first three months. That's right, three months. 
Grant Brisbeads feature a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you're not completely satisfied with Grant Brisbeads, for any reason, you can send your monthly your month's delivery back for a full refund. You can't afford to not try out Grant Brisbeads, especially with opening day right around the corner. What better way to pass the time of watching our nation's pastime? Grant Brisbeads. Grant them. Your time. Okay, so that was our first promo. Um, and now let's introduce our guest here. Joining me now from MLB Cut 4, uh, one of the greatest minds of the internet uh, and baseball, uh, Michael Clare. Michael, welcome to the McCovey Croncast. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I do have to take a little umbrage with my introduction. Uh, one of the greatest minds. Uh, I'm sorry. I uh, <laughs> I clearly said I have to be introduced as the only mind. Of- uh, as I said in David Roth's birthday message, he's one of only two good things on Twitter. And, <laughs> and so technically he's kind of in the mix. So I have yeah. to say one of. But fine. Right. Hold on. Let me start that again. Okay. It, uh, okay, joining me now from MLB Cut for the greatest mind on the internet, uh, Michael Clare. Michael, welcome. <laughs> oh, uh, Brian, thank you so much. Uh, so happy to be here. Uh, it's a real honor. Uh, we we were introduced digitally uh, through wait, that's like with our fingers. No, uh, we were introduced by uh, to each other through Wendy uh, Thurm many that's years right. ago. And yeah. she thought that we might have the same sensibilities. And we also, she knew, I think, that you lived in L.A. And yes. I will say that when we met, I don't think we have similar sensibilities. I just think it, 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 we work out fine together. Just... Yeah. Well, <laughs> what was great was the first time we met up. So we went to uh, a a decent bar in L.A., like a decent sports bar burger place that has like two TVs and they did not have any baseball. So then we went to the garbage bar, Big Wang's, that actually just closed down. And I think they also didn't have any because we were going for we met up to watch some World Baseball Classic. I don't That's know, like right. 13 or maybe even yeah. older than that. Uh, and yeah, I remember. So the, the first meeting was like. Oh, let's go here. We walk in. Oh, you don't do this. You can't do this. Uh, let's go to a place literally called Big Wangs. <laughs> All the tables you had to sit on uncomfortably. They were long and smooth. Oh, uh, it was yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and and then I think we watched Australia play, which yes, it's not. It, maybe it's gotten better, but it it was not a great game to watch. But it was uh, good company. So I will say yeah. That. Well, listen, uh, yes. you know what? We'll always have Australia. <laughs> that's right. So. And uh, that's that's kind of, I think that's how I really discovered that you're a huge Pittsburgh fan. Because maybe my assumption was if you weren't a Dodgers fan, you might have liked the Giants. Or right. you, you like the Giants. You, you, you like baseball. That's actually what I really have learned. That <laughs> that was that was kind of obvious uh, with your with your old time family baseball blog, uh, which was fantastic. Um, oh. And you have... Uh, you know, you you you're you love the game, and you love it in the way that um, uh, what the best way to compare it, which is not a fair comparison, but it's it's a fun one for me, is you love baseball the way Brian Grubb, the internet writer on Uproxx, loves TV. Like you love <laughs> all the little details and the nooks and crannies, and that's why you're a great cut four writer. But you're a big Andrew McCutcheon fan, and that's yes. why I've roped you in today, really. <laughs> Uh, enough about why I like you so much. Right. Let's talk about why you're really here. Andrew yeah. McCutcheon is now on the San Francisco Giants, and that right. that should be a moment 
of sadness, but he's too great to be sad about, right? <laughs> yeah. So it was a very complicated day when the trade went down. Uh, I was out of the house for a lot of it. So I think the way I found out about it, for better or worse, was not through, you know, MLB trade rumors that are taught, you know, it was, I get the alert once it actually happens. And then I like flee, I, maybe I was in a movie or I was somewhere where like, I couldn't just go straight to my phone and check it. And I, so I immediately had to like run out and like take a look and I'm hyperventilating and I'm dying. Um, it was, uh, yeah. Andrew McCutcheon is the, the only way I can really describe him is, Think of your favorite player when you're a kid. For me, it was Ken Griffey Jr. And think of how, like, you felt about your favorite baseball player when you're eight years old and you don't realize they're human beings, you don't realize they have feelings. That's kind of how I... The, Andrew McCutcheon is the closest I have felt that way towards a player as an adult. He has somehow his enthusiasm for baseball, his pride, his joy on the field, the way he plays, he became the closest thing to the way I felt about a player when, you know, you're six, seven, eight years old and you think your dad can beat anybody up kind of thing. So that's Andrew McCutcheon. I don't think that answered your question, but I just had to go on a little rant about how Andrew McCutcheon makes me feel. That's exactly what I want because that's, <laughs> and what you actually said was uh, Giants fans, or at least I did. I'm a cold-hearted, cynical, <laughs> loveless person uh, when it comes to the Giants. And, and I got a little touch of that, a little flavor of that from the fan fest that happened a, a few weeks ago um, because I was not there and I was not like scrutinizing coverage. But any tweet that came across my timeline or anytime I just like glanced in the direction of the Internet during the time it was going on, the life that came out of any description of what Andrew McCutcheon was doing, or more importantly, what he was saying, yes. you know, <laughs> like he was just excited by everything. Uh, it, it felt both genuine and just good. And for the Giants, they haven't had anyone who's just, I don't know, been thrilled to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like who you obviously know. is happy to be alive and playing baseball. <laughs> you know, I, I think that in, in this world where everybody on Twitter, their favorite either joke or just observation is waiting for death. Andrew McCutcheon <laughs> is someone that as far as it seems is thrilled to just be alive. Yeah, but he was also like, hey, cool, I like these cream uniforms. These are cool yeah. uniforms. He's like, hey, Hunter Pence has a funny stance. Let me m mimic it. That's cool. Hey, Willie Mays, he's great. <laughs> and already, just... <laughs> he hasn't even played in San Francisco yet as a giant, and he's already wearing the new uh, Golden Gate Bridge socks. Yes. So he's yes. like, he's fully, he's gone, he's left Pittsburgh, he named his son Steel, and he's already like, I'm not saying he's, you know, turning his back on everybody in Pittsburgh. I mean, he named this kid Steel, but he is like, he's he's ready to fully embrace being a giant, which is a great thing for Giants fans. What a what a healthy person he is. Yes. You know what? That's what it is. Yeah, a very healthy <laughs> that's, person. That's someone who's decided I'm going to live in the moment and be in, in the now. And, yeah. and I'm going to take what I have and I might as well enjoy the opportunity since I'm here. Well, that, that, that actually, that's totally him. Last year, when they moved him to a corner and he was unhappy about it, he was like, I'm unhappy, but I'm doing this. And then when Starling Marte was suspended and McCutcheon moved back to center, if you watch that first game, 
It's like the first or second inning. I think they were playing the Cardinals. He makes a running catch into the gap, and you see him just go like, yeah. And you're like, you can see in his face him saying like, look at this. I am a center fielder. Now, granted, he's not a center fielder any longer, but like that is someone who he accepted it. He did what's best for the team, but he had that pride, and he's like in the moment. So uh, you have cap- you've captured the essence of McCutcheon quite well, and he hasn't even played a regular season <laughs> game right. yet. Also, there's no chance he didn't think. Still got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, well, like so. That's a, you've already like riffed on a couple of memories of him, but sort of what. And you've also already prepped us. Well, you've answered everything. All right. Thanks. Thanks for coming on, Michael. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> I guess sort of, I mean, he was a heart and soul for a team in, in, in a lot of ways. But, yeah. but you know, and the way he plays, he's so incredibly talented. And for so long with this, in his tenure, he was far and away the, you know, the best player, most entertaining to watch. But I guess, I, I don't know what. Do or do you have like other strong memories where it's sort of like well beyond that he's this sort of you know Buster Posey has you know a lot of big plays and all right. that that remind you that he's the great player that he is on the team but I think you know he also had this huge you know he had, he was crushing home plate the ankle breaking and all that it was sort of a traumatic moment uh, he's at you know Buster Posey's had sort of these other moments that. I guess endear him deeper. Mm-hmm. You've already named this. He named his kid Steel, so it's pretty yeah. deep in the city. There's the famous thing where he gives the ball to the to the kid in center field, right? And, uh, uh, yeah, the, <laughs> he gave batting gloves to batting kids. gloves. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is. Yeah, so I, I guess there's there's a, a few things. Uh, I mean, the, the the most recent one that stands out is yeah, center field. Like basically, I've still got this. Um, he one thing I mentioned socks, but he actually he loves socks. Uh, and someone I I love stirrup socks, so I pay attention to this. Not only in the past when he wore his pant legs down, he would still wear interesting socks underneath there. And if you search, you can find him wearing like zebra colored socks. Like when he he like cut his knee, so he had to pull his pants up. Uh, and when the Pirates first brought back striped socks, which like that for years was like, why don't teams have striped socks now? Everybody does. Uh, and the Giants were the first ones to bring striped socks back, uh, the Giants and the Cardinals a couple of years back. Uh, McCutcheon was the one who originally designed the socks for the team. He teamed up with the clubhouse manager and was like, I want like a thick stripe of white, a thick stripe of yellow, a thick stripe of white. Like he basically made those. So get ready for like fashion decisions from Kutch. Um, the, the things that I, the, I'll do, I'll do two things. Uh, good things that I really remember. He loves to dance. He loves to smile. Uh, he had a walk-off home run and, like, danced across home plate. There was a play <laughs> last year uh, where he's running for home, and he tries to jump over the catcher, and he's tagged out. But the photo of him jumping over the catcher is something that every day I'm like, should I buy, like, a poster-sized print of this, <laughs> even though he was out? And it was just like a, you know, like a, I don't know, May or June nothing <laughs> game. It just looks super cool. Uh, I, 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 okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little about negative, though, because obviously, Kutch, MVP. Um, one negative thing is, and this is why, as a Pirates fan, 
I'm not the most crushed that he's gone. It's when he struggles because he's so likable, you feel for him so much. And you can sense when he's struggling. You know, last year, his overall season numbers looked great, but I think it was either like the start of the season and then August, if I remember right. Those if, if those two months, you know, you combine those, he has like a 500 OPS those months. Mm-hmm. When you watch that, you see someone who just looks lost at the plate. It, he starts swinging with all his arms and... Hopefully that's why his 2016 was bad, was he had a, a, a knee problem, and so, you know, he couldn't twist on it. He couldn't push off of it. But when he's going bad, it seems like he's swinging almost entirely from his arms. He doesn't look happy. Uh, and so when he comes to the plate, and let's say, you know, runner at second, bottom of the eighth, down by a run, you're like, oh, my God, catches up. I want a hit right here. You can sometimes, when he's struggling, he'll come up and the stress you'll feel in that moment because you're like, I just, I don't think he's got it. And then, you know, he's late on a fastball over the heart of the plate and then he whiffs on a slider. That will kill you a little bit. And by him not being on my favorite team right now, I won't feel the, I'll feel the sadness still. I still want him to succeed and do great in San Francisco, but I won't feel the like, Horrible, horrible stress. That you Giants fans now have that. Oh, and uh, in the spring training game against the Dodgers yes, uh, today, he there are runners at first and second. And I, know, I know it's spring training. First and second, one out, and uh, he strikes out on a full count. And then Evan Longoria grounds out weakly to third base. I got to tell you, it felt like every Giants player I've ever seen. So he will fit right in. It will be fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I think. <laughs> I think it was, yeah, the the one playoff appearance, it was game five against the Cardinals, and I think he was up against Trevor Rosenthal. I don't remember, you know, they are down by a run or two, and he was either the tying run at the plate or the go-ahead, something like that. He gets the count. I think he fouls off like a a one-strike fastball that he could have crushed, and I I honestly don't remember how that at-bat ended, but... Yeah, if you're talking about like iconic moments that stand out in my memory, it was Kutch is up. Kutch can do this. Come on, Kutch. Oh, Kutch, you didn't do it. And <laughs> so that might be the one negative that stands out. And that's not his fault. He was going, you know, Trevor Rosenthal was a great pitcher at that point. He still has an amazing fastball. Um, but when, yeah, when you're the star player and you come up in those sort of like iconic, you could not, you know, Kutch will never have to buy a drink in Pittsburgh ever again. But those are the kind of things that, you know, you'd put on the cover of a biography 20 years from now. So that one, that one does stand out a little bit. Well, two of the two, out of everything you said, there are two things I picked out. One, everyone should find that picture of McCutcheon jumping over, uh, yes. I believe it's JT Real Muto. Uh, that's what it looks like here. And um, it, in my mind, it is slowly replacing the, um, the, oh, I should pause this so I can go find the name and not just stretch this out <laughs> for a very long time. The famous image of the most racist baseball player, Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb uh, jump kicking the catcher. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's replacing that in my head as the go-to when I hear a, a player jumping over a catcher. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it looks fantastic. And then the second thing you said about how he's very big into fashion, essentially, and is designing socks made me think whoa we've got to do the phantom thread parody with with andrew mccutcheon that's got to happen in the giants commercials now for sure 
Oh, man. I swear to God, if I don't tomorrow morning see a McCovey Chronicles post that uh, is either Oscars related or is just you took a scene from Phantom Thread and put Andrew McCutcheon in it, uh, I'm going to be very upset. McCutcheon's Woodcock. There we go. Yeah. It, it works. It works. Uh, all right. And I really appreciate you coming out and talking about this. Like you said, like it doesn't hurt that much. So, yeah, uh, not, we're not, happy not to bad. take the decline phase. We are the home for old dogs, uh, the San Francisco Giants. I, I love it though, and I, my my gut feeling this year is Longoria McCutcheon have one final great season left. Hopefully, they have more. But like my, you know, this is not looking at you know advanced stats and stat cast. This is just this is totally. I'm a baseball writer from 1982. I don't open a book. I don't do any research. This is just how I feel. <laughs> is that Longoria and Kutch, you know, they're on a new place. They have something to prove. They have, like, great years. And uh, then maybe not so much after that. But so that, my, my gut feeling, no research, that's going to happen this year. So you guys, you guys are in luck. I think that what you said could very li- is very likely to happen. I think what you're not taking into consideration is that None of the other Giants will have a good year. <laughs> so exactly what you say will happen. So were, were, were these deals like monkey's paws, essentially, where it's like, all right, you get these great players. But, I think uh, the World Series were monkey's paws. That's what it actually really feels like at this point, uh, which is fine. So uh, yeah, a listen, lot of great memories there. The so, World Series in yeah. six years, I honestly feel like yeah, it's, baseball fans at that point have to be like, all right, we can, yep, we can go 0 in one. 162 for 50 years and i have to be happy about it and they're they're gonna probably flirt with that at some point anyway one final thing uh i feel it's important for people to know this you love ghost stories yes you love ghost legends yes and you have recently moved from los angeles Mm -hmm. uh not far from where i live and you're like the third really like somewhat hold on i'll backtrack anyone listening if you move to los angeles and you stay here for any period of time, the amount of good people you actually meet is extraordinarily limited. That's very true. Very so <laughs> the idea that uh, you exist, Michael, has was fantastic, is or is fantastic, and it's been, it was great that you live close, but of course we hung out very few times. That is also a very typical LA thing. Uh, but I guess to the, my bigger point, uh, so everyone needs to know you're a great person, but then the ghost thing was like this extra thing I learned <laughs> What felt like way too late in, in, in getting to know you is like, it's just, that should be your opener. Yeah. The baseball stuff is like, oh, how did I get here? And then you're like, yeah. ghost stuff. And then, <laughs> and then I know everything about comic books that have nothing to do with these movies. And then that, there you go. There's your sweetener. Uh, but so you've moved from LA to New York. You're, yes. You're, you're in. Uh, so... Is there any? Are there any cool ghost stories in your immediate vicinity? Like when you when you got there, you're like, oh my god, we're down the street from old McCormick's house, old McCormick's house where he used to used to torture all those kids who played Atari, <laughs> like whatever. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, I do have a couple books. Uh, I'm, I'm in Brooklyn because everybody who moves here moves to Brooklyn. Oh, you make that barbecue! God damn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't understand what this meme is right now. I. There was a, excuse me, there was a blog post today about why is Brooklyn's barbecue taking over the world? And okay. the picture is like the saddest <laughs> plate of barbecue you've ever seen. 
I literally, I was seeing all these memes, but I never saw the source. So right before we got on the phone, I searched Brooklyn barbecue. And unfortunately that article didn't pop up. And it just was just a couple barbecue places. I was like, I don't, I don't understand Uh, this. So I'm going to send it to you right now as you're speaking, but okay. (laughs) Well, check that out. Uh, I've got a couple books on, uh, on Brooklyn ghost stories that I haven't checked out. Uh, my building was built in 1931, so it's it's one of those weird buildings too. Where like, uh, right now I'm in like a half room that obvious like clearly it was some other type of building in 1931. So when we moved in, I was like, well, obviously there's a doctor that did unnecessary surgeries in the basement and we're <laughs> failing of the damned. Sure. And the second weekend we were here, Marissa was out of town, and so it's sort of like a railroad style apartment. We're on the mm-hmm. top floor with with two apartments. And so there's like a thin wall separating our bedroom from the other uh, person's bedroom. And this was my first weekend staying here alone. And the person across the hall uh, is a quiet person, but they must have had like a boyfriend or a friend staying and I could hear them snoring through the wall. But um, they didn't snore like a person, you know. <sighs> they oh. snored in moans. So, it, and it wasn't sexual at all because it was very like regular and clearly not happy. If I thought somebody, I, if I thought they were awake, I probably would have called the police because it was like. <sighs> And I woke up at 2 a.m. hearing this, and I was like, oh, my God, there is a ghost. Because I've never had a ghost. Experience. I don't think they're actually real. I mean, I desperately pray they are, but I don't think they are. So I heard this on my own in a new apartment for the first time. So naturally, I slept with the lights on the rest of the, the weekend. Uh, but we are uh, about two street blocks away from Greenwood Cemetery, the most famous cemetery in Brooklyn, in New York. All the famous people are there. Jim Creighton's there bunch of uh base, dead baseball players are there it the who's who of new york are dead and buried there so obviously there's supposed to be ghosts there as well um most baseball player you think is most likely to haunt and baseball player you think is most likely to have chosen to stay in between like the one that was haunting is trapped clearly but what <laughs> yeah. baseball player do you think was like i'd rather be trapped <laughs> So, okay. Because <laughs> so, baseball players will make that choice for some reason. <laughs> right, right. Okay, let's see. So there there are two uh, – this is – I love how weird baseball writers are. There are two books about baseball ghost stories. One's called Field of Screams, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the other is just called Haunted Baseball. I'm looking on my shelf right Craig now. Craig Calcaterra wrote Field of Screams, right? <laughs> Oh, man. And it's, yeah, there are some stories <laughs> in there. And then there's one where, like, a, a Cleveland Indians, uh, like, bench coach had passed away. And then, like, a pigeon hung out on the field. And Jim Tomey's like, that pigeon is definitely the coach. Oh, God. We are out of position. And that pigeon is reminding us. Of yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. God. Trying to think of if there was any baseball player in history who would be a ghost, and I will say I do go to Baseball Reference and just search "ghost" every day just to see if like <laughs> a new thing popped up. Uh, and there is there is a very strange R.J. Anderson at C, uh, from CBS and Jeff Long at Baseball Prospectus are I feel like the two other baseball writers on the internet that also are obsessed with ghosts. So there's like a weird baseball 
there's baseball Twitter and then there's baseball ghost Twitter, which I guess is why they're able to <laughs> come out with two books. I am totally stumped on this question. I the mo the ghost most people see is actually Babe Ruth, but that's dumb because people tend to see famous people, and he's the most famous. So right. right. Um, right. I mean, I mean, it would be like, oh, whoever the utility player was in like 1908 uh, for like. <laughs> that's for like, much more for, likely than, oh, yeah. Babe Ruth is haunting this piano in a Baltimore hotel somewhere. That's right. So I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to say the one that stuck around is going to be Toad Ramsey. He invented the knuckleball. He also in the in the book Summer of Beer and Whiskey. Uh, is it that? I think it was that one. There's some book that says he invented dropping a shot in a glass of beer. Nobody had ever thought to do that before him. And he also missed the team train because uh, he was arrested for having not paid his bar tab. So I feel like Toad Ramsey... There's no a- way he's not a ghost. You're totally yeah, right. There's- he's definitely a ghost. The, the train to heaven came and Toad <laughs> Ramsey was at the bar. So. You know why he, he had a pass to go to heaven, right? Uh, what's that? He got in because... God was like, even I didn't think about dropping a glass, <laughs> a shot into a glass yeah, that, 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 that's what it was. Uh, they were like, listen, you're maybe not a great guy. You don't really belong right. here, but you're an inventor. We could, yes, we could use your kind of thinking up above. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, wow, that that really went in in a great direction. Thanks for uh, indulging me in that, Michael. I appreciate it. Oh my god, thank you for uh asking that and, and letting me think about ghost for a while. <laughs> so there is a there is officially a baseball ghost Twitter. Not a ghost baseball Twitter, which would be something else, but also cool. Yeah. Um right. uh, do you want people to know how to find you online? Sometimes people don't, and I give them that option. Yeah. That time, but uh... <laughs> uh if you wanna hunt me down, uh you can go to uh I, I was trying to think of a joke, didn't think of one, so I'm just going to go real. Uh, MLB.com's cut four. Uh, we actually have, probably by the time you hear this, we should have a new site design, which is great because it's looked like sort of like a weird Pinterest for a while, so the new one uh, looks great. I'm very excited for it. And then I'm on Twitter at uh, Michael S. Clare because the other, there was an account, Michael Clare, that I found out about that I'm pretty sure I created one night in college because the F key on my computer is broken, so I used V's instead. And there is a word, there was a word in the one tweet. It was then hacked by bots or whatever, so it just says, like, this account suspended and Twitter won't give it to me. Um, but when it was up, I eventually found it and, uh, there was misspellings with V's replacing F's or vice versa. And so it was like, well, that, that was obviously mine and Twitter didn't, didn't take anyways. Michael, (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, uh, a great follow and, uh, definitely check out cut four too. They do all the fun stuff that you like when you listen to this podcast. Thanks for coming on, Mike. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for letting me talk about cut for a while. Uh, this is so fun, and uh, I'm going to be watching a lot of Giants games now. So All right. that's pretty good. Right. A lot of great questions. Really appreciate everyone uh, responding. Uh, at Mick Croncast, M-C-C-H-R-O-N-C-A-S-T is the podcast's official Twitter account. You can always at us your questions at any time of the week, but we'll also ask for them as well. Uh, so here's what we got from our latest roundup. 
the first one comes from longtimer Rob Hayner at Robert Hayner. He asks, how many games until Brian loses hope? First series, all-star break, or after opening day? This would be a great question if I had co-hosts here because everyone could guess before I actually chimed in. But I mine would be a guess too. That would be the whole uh, shtick there, the gimmick. Um, I would say that I've lost hope already. I think last year I went in to the season optimistic, if you'll recall. I thought the Giants were going to do well. I thought they made good moves. I thought all their players were going to sort of have one last gasp of above averageness and uh and now we after last season there's literally no reason to have any hope that they're gonna do well this year but i think after all the moves they've made i'm i'm sort of looking forward to the first couple weeks of games at least which is not something i would have thought at any point last calendar year so that's the answer to that question um at steve svensson s svensson 19 asks what is your confidence level regarding Cueto at the moment? I think he's the biggest and most important question mark going into 2018. Steve, I might agree with that. I think Bumgarner lasting the entire season and being effective um, is the most important question mark still to me because I think a guy causes career-threatening damage to his shoulder that's something to look out for, especially since the Giants have put a lot of mileage on that shoulder. The Giants are going to have him under contract for one more season. He is as close to a frontline starter as they have, uh, even after or ahead of Cueto, I should say. Cueto would fall in there. How I so I wouldn't say that Cueto is the biggest and most important question mark, but I will say he's in the top three. I think uh, another one could possibly be all these 31-plus-year-old guys. How are they going to do? Are they going to be above replacement level? Are they going to be two or three win players? Uh, These are things that are important as well. I think Cueto is very important, though, like I said, top three. Um, My confidence level regarding, regarding Cueto is I have no reason to not be optimistic about it. I don't have any... Uh, finger on the pulse when it comes to how the Giants are feeling at this particular moment about him. I don't know how tricky blisters are going to be for him. Uh, I certainly, you know, we certainly know that there are players, the Rich Hills of the world, that have uh, lingering blister issues that come up and they try various ways of working through it. And maybe Cueto struggles because he's never really had to have He's never really dealt with something like this for such a prolonged period of time. I do wonder. He also uses spring training to get into shape. I kind of feel like is a is, are we entering a perfect storm of he's not going to be quite in shape and he's still trying to learn how to pitch around whatever issues he had, and that's going to just lead to another season, if not a lost season, another season where he struggles. Um, I would say whatever I said minutes moments ago, which I already forgot, uh, <laughs> my confidence level regarding Cueto is, uh, it's a little shaky. It's actually a little shaky. I love Johnny Cueto, so I'm, I'm pro Cueto. I guess the confidence is, is he going to be a Cy Young contender? Is he going to be the ace of the staff uh, like he was at times in 2016? Uh, I would say that I, my confidence level in that is very shaky. Very, very shaky. Uh, so I, I would say I'm going to say that at this exact moment, my my most uh, my my most my strongest level of confidence is that he can be no worse than Jeff Samarja, and I am saying that Jeff Samarja 
is not going to be like he was last season, that he's going to be closer to what he's been his entire career. So that's where I'm at. That the Giants are essentially going to have two number three starters, uh, three top number three starters at this very moment. Uh, the next one comes from at Juan, W A N 8 I V, Boxcar Baz. What do you guys want? Who do you guys want the Giants to take at number two in the June draft? Draft Ethan Hankins, ooh, cannot read. Ethan Hankins, a six foot six, two ten right-handed high school pitcher from Georgia, or Shane McClanahan, six foot one, one seventy-five left-handed pitcher, South Florida College, Bryce Tarong, high school shortstop, California. Also, this assumes anyone has a clue. I sure don't. Thanks. Uh, well, boxcar. I think that'll be a great question for us to pose to Roger Munter when we bring him in. I would say it's still, I'm still getting my spring training uh, muscle memory going. And I think when we get Doug and Sammy back that we're all going to be still just focused on this major league team to see what's going on. Who the Giants should take in the draft is an excellent question, though. They're going to be picking so high in every round. Uh, Brian Sabian uh, during the offseason told Alex Pavlik on his podcast that he was you know, he's very excited because the Giants are going to be picking so high in every round. It feels like they have, they basically are not going to get to the buffet and nothing's going to be there. They're going to have a lot of options. And not having the pressure of being the number one pick actually makes them actually feel confident that they'll pick someone. Um, in that same podcast, though, which you can probably tell I listened to fairly recently, um, Alex Pavlovic pointed out that a lot of teams are trending towards drafting uh, position players because it's not like pitching where it's just, yeah, pitching prospects, a lot of casualties there. You lose a lot of guys. They don't pan out. And if you can maybe focus on more of the short thing, position player prospects, especially especially since the Giants are going to need young position player prospects making their way through the system at a at a somewhat accelerated pace to help the big league roster in the next three to five years. They're going to need an infusion of strong talent. And it can't just be Helio Ramos, Elliot Ramos, excuse me. Um, I would say that at least out of the three names you give, you gave me, I would say the shortstop would sort of trend would sort of be the pick there. Um, if I'm, if I'm gauging it, but I don't know anything about these players right now. I guarantee none of the, None of us who usually run the show, host the show, have any sense right now. But it's a good question that we're going to file in the back of our minds going forward. Um, which pitchers will the Giants use in the number four and five spots to open the season? That question comes from at SF underscore hardball. Um, the name of that account is San Francisco Giants past and present. It's a San Francisco Giants fan forum of news, memorabilia, history, and memories. Um, what pitchers will the Giants use in the number four and five spots to open the season? Uh, the Giants are definitely keeping their options open, right? They're still openly running through and auditioning people. So I would say at least I think Ty Block is guaranteed a, a rotation spot. That's that's my my belief. My belief comes from his solid performance over the last two the past two seasons. And because Will Smith was out, the Giants decided, and because of their loyalty to Matt Cain, they wanted to give, you know, they put Ty Block in the bullpen to start the season. And we saw that that didn't really work out for him too well. When he moved into the rotation, back into the rotation, 
uh, where he sort of ended 2016, that that was clearly a better role for him. But more importantly, it was a better role because he did well. And the Giants finding starting pitchers, um, is they're going to have to keep doing it. And it's going to have to be sort of in that found money mode for now. Um, because I think they just they topped out and they haven't been able to all their sure things didn't really pan out because it's what happens with prospects and so Ty Block has been strongly consistent and has certainly in my mind earned a spot and I can't say that he wouldn't be the number five starter uh, right away Uh, it seems like a pretty solid choice is Derek Holland going to make the rotation I think that possibly also is a is a is a good choice if he can have a good spring. I think he he did well over the last few days. Um, I would say that knowing the Giants, though, suddenly, I mean, this is would be the exact same case as last year. Something just tells me that they're going to to bump Garner Holland and uh, Ty Block bring up something about having too many left-handers in their rotation again. They had that they had that last year, but I think with Bumgarner being out for a lot of it, it I don't even remember if it if if there were many weeks or days where or series where there were three left-handed starters that the Giants had. I I can't. I'm sorry. I'm blanking on the timeline here. It feels like Bumgarner, Moore, and Block were all in the rotation towards the end of the year when it really didn't matter. And so starting the season with that, they may want to stay away from that. There's might also be a situation. Holland might make a better long reliever. He's. It just seems like he's got a way to earn it, but also knowing the Giants, knowing Bochi, because of his veteranness, he somehow has a an edge over Ty Block. I'd like to be wrong there. Um, I'd say I think Ty Block's done enough to earn a slot there. Um, <clears throat> I would say uh, any other guys that they might have, you know, Stratton or Beatty. Um, I think they have shots as well, um, and maybe I'm slightly over overrating block I just think he's been so consistent that there's no reason to sort of he's he'd have to lose it I guess is where I'm going so I guess if I'm just gonna pick two names and go from there I'm gonna say that it's gonna be you know or I'm gonna say the rotation at this very moment <laughs> which is an insane thing to do like barely in the spring training is Bumgarner, Cueto, uh, Samarja and then I'll say I'll say Stratton and Block. And I think the the Giants might stick Holland as their long reliever. Um, I can't get into the bullpen actually more than that, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's my general bad, uh, very early first podcast of the season uh, way of, of breaking that down. And I appreciate everyone... <laughs> Sticking with me through that. Uh, the next question comes from Young Team at Cal M Casino. That's a great name. Cal M Casino, where the M stands for money, I'm assuming. Does a lefty power hitter like Chris Shaw, Chris Shaw, have an actual shot of making it uh, to the big leagues in the Giants' u- uniform, or is he just trade bait? I think it's both. I think Chris Shaw falls profiles into the classic Giants type of he has to come up and hit three home runs in his first at bat and have a week where he hits like 800 for him to stay and and he's got to play inhumanly well and not have anyone that he's replacing or being threatened by or he's trade bait now I don't think that's what the organization intends for him but it just seems like 
unless um, unless they're at, right now the outfield is sort of is sort of full or um, the outfield, but <laughs> I, I guess what I'm getting at is he is a he still has to earn his way through a lot of guys, so he is going to be viewed with a lot of skepticism. I think it's a little bit different from someone like Steve uh, Duggar, who watching the spring training game that was telecast yesterday with the Dodgers, you know, Duggar looked good. And, and he, the thing is he looked really good doing not just what the giants had hoped for, but to some degree or not what the giant, yeah, what the giants are expecting. So basically Duggar has come out and been what he's been advertised and I think Bochi is always skeptical of those guys. He'll read a report, etc. He'll be told by scouts. And then he's got to see it. And he's got to see it for a long time. And I don't think that's like outlandish and unlike any other manager. Um, I just think in the past, because of the way the Giants value their own prospects or rate their own prospects, or I'm not sure. The Giants have had prospect problems. Let's not let's not uh, mince words there. I would say that, uh, you know, the... They'll get a reporter. They'll have some firm belief in a player, and he'll just come out and he'll Mac Williamson it up, or he'll he'll just not look great. And and I think he I think that tends to work against them. And for whatever reason, Chris Shaw, I think he's got to the left-handed power thing aside. That's great point because you know I'm AT and T Park just kills lefties. Um, I think. I think he's just got a long hill, uphill battle to climb in terms of the Giants' expectations for him are different from they are from like Steve Duggar or even Mac Williamson because Mac Williamson is probably not even going to make the team just because Jarrett Parker had that one good week at the end of 2015 um, and and the Giants are still banking on that and Parker doesn't have any more options. Um so unless they trade him or cut him for some reason, it's going to be Parker and probably Corky Hernandez taking the other two outfield spots. So even the guy like Mac Williamson, who's a great defender and et cetera, you know, so Shaw's got a lot to battle with. That That's a very long rambling answer to that question. Um, Juan Barajas, I'd love to answer your question at Yay Area 853, but we already answered it. Who do you think will ultimately win that five spot block Suarez or BD? Um, and he's assuming Stratton is four right now. I do too, uh, or at least I have assumed, as you've already heard. All right, so those are our Twitter questions for the week. Um, you can, again, send them. It could be about anything. They don't even have to be about the Giants. That, that's the fun part. Um, hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of the McCovey Chronicast season premiere. I think it's season four. If you caught the tweet uh, earlier or last month, I, I noticed that when we started this sucker, I did like a spring training season to kind of get me and Doug going and getting used to how to do a podcast. So we kind of did like an off season of uh, 2014 going into 2015. And then we did 2015 and then we did 2016. So this is actually season, uh, this is season four, which is weird. We certainly haven't been doing, um, you know, we haven't been doing four years worth. But uh, it certainly has felt like it sometimes, especially last year. But appreciate all of you for listening and for subscribing and for commenting and for spreading the word and for coming on the show. And so appreciate all, all that support. And uh, like a, like to thank our guest again, Michael Clare from MLB Cut 4. Check out his stuff. He's great. You know it. Um, 
and we'll be back next week.